Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Kern. Good morning. Welcome to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kern. It's great to be with you. And Merry Christmas. This is amazing. Doing a program on Christmas Day. Even more amazing is the gift. The <laughs> gift of all gifts, having this one priest with me. Just kidding. <laughs> I've got two priests with me today. This is a full house. I've got Father Jeff Lewis looking at me across the table in this humble studio. And back in the the home station, the, let's see, the home, what do we call it? The mother house. The, the mother, the, the mothership uh, is Father Kurt Nagel. And it's great to have you both here. Merry Christmas, fathers. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to all of you. Yeah, this is exciting. Well, today we're going to talk a lot about Christmas, the life of Christmas and the lives of priests, and I've got a bunch of saints to talk about and uh, feast days as well, if we get if we get to it. That's my safety net. I'm not sure we'll need it, though, but we'll find out today on Sound Insight. Back in a minute. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out, drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to the program, and again, just a very Merry Christmas uh, that we wish to you all, and Father Nagel's going to lead us in a scripture reading and a prayer. So I'd like to start off um, with, maybe not surprisingly, Luke 2, uh, verses 8 through 14. Now there were shepherds in that region living in the fields and keeping the night watch over their flock. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were struck with great fear. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For today in the city of David a Savior has been born for you, who is Messiah and Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find an infant wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Gracious God, in this great feast day of the Incarnation, we ask your blessings upon all of us that Christ might rule in us, that he might dwell, be born, um, power us. I ask you again, simply bless all those who are listening today and their families. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. In the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you, Father Nagel, very much. So, Father Nagel, last week, Father Lewis and I had a chance to talk about what Christmas gifts do you give to your priest? Uh -huh. I know it's already Christmas, so we uh, you don't have a chance to kind of inform your your wonderful listeners who would love to give you some gifts um, what to give you. But I want to see how much you align with uh, Father Lewis, uh, how much insight he had versus the wisdom that is going to come forth from you regarding the gifts that what what do you give to someone who has the Lord? What do you give to someone who has the gift of the priesthood? What do you what do you give your priest? Well, to be honest, I guess I honest in this honest, I just say some prayers for me. Um, I mean, I I don't really need a whole lot. Um, so 
hey, Father Nagel wanted steak dinners. <laughs> so, so if, I mean, Father Lewis, he, he was like gift cards to fine restaurants, <laughs> fine dining, you know. Say I'm a rosary. Say a rosary for me. <laughs> Pray rosary. No, yeah. go ahead, Father. No, seriously. I mean, I honestly, um, you know, I appreciate whatever whatever happens and whatever people give me. I, but you're right. Uh, my family finds me very frustrating. They put black. I like black socks. Um, you know, um, it's a clergy shirt, I suppose. Um, but I, I, you know, one of the things about the Archdiocese of Seattle that I'd like to sort of um, give them credit for is we have a large, uh, what's called continuing education fund, which is basically for me buying books. Um, we have, we've had $700 a year. Now it's being bumped up to $1,000 a year for education, continuing education. So I can get any book I want. And that's what I like. I like books. And so, but I, as soon as I find one I want, I just immediately order it and then I get it. Um, that being said, uh, there always are a few books that you could probably get me. But mostly, again, you say I have the gift of the priesthood, but you'd also just, you know, sinful person needing prayers. That's probably be the best thing. Don't nice. worry about it. That's Don't worry about it. Way holier than my response, Father. Well, well done. <laughs> I did ask for steaks. <laughs> steaks and an escape room. An escape room, yeah. Yes, oh, you like to go to escape rooms? Yeah, the experiences of uh, my priest friends and I, we uh, actually do that a lot. We uh, have our youth groups do it with us sometimes, too. I've had so. youth groups do it, and I have my staff do it sometimes. I've had yeah, my staff do it. It's a good team-building it. exercise, yeah. or it can destroy your team. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, Father Nagel, if you want to like focus on the concept that your staff needs to escape, so you give them an escape room to experience. That that might start planting ideas in their heads that maybe you don't want to have there. So yeah, they actually I like that. Like it. Yeah, no, no, no. That's I think that's really cool. I've never done one. Uh, I've never done one before. My kids did you, one. I think, you should have your Terry. kids. You, your whole family should go do one. Yeah, there is there is something called expensive. Yeah. So you can buy an escape room game for like twenty bucks or twenty five bucks, or you can go and you can spend a half an hour at about thirty five dollars a kid times nine. We're now talking. It's like that's three hundred. That's a four hundred dollar gift right there for my family to do an escape room. Well, so Tom, you're making the big money. I think that that would probably be worth it. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. So. Uh, I, I love that idea of like, we call it a spiritual bouquet. Last mm. week we did that yeah. did show up on the list. Eventually it showed up on the list. So prayers, uh, but I get that. I know that there are people. I think that's in some way connected to the concept of love language. That the concept of yeah. a love language. Not everyone sure. Sure. has gift giving as their love language, and so either buying gifts or giving gifts or receiving gifts isn't very high up on their list. So right. I think that that's probably part of the the dynamic sure. at work here. Is that right, Father? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's true. Do you do you appreciate uh, notes? Like if someone wrote you a note and said, you know, Father, you know, when you ministered to my family in this way in this moment, or the homily that you gave, or the way that you're shepherding our parish, do you appreciate words of affirmation? I'm looking at you, Father Lewis, but also you, Father Nagel. I do. I, I would say more more than the physical gifts. You know, gift gift. Uh, gifts are maybe my lowest rank in the five love languages. Uh, not that I'm not appreciative, but um, yeah, notes like that, uh, they are more meaningful and impactful for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I certainly, um, I, I'm grateful. I had somebody come up to me uh, just the other day and, and point out two, two things that the, she really appreciated. Um, the first reconciliation homily and then 
um, just a, a funeral, I think I did. And it's, yeah, it's great. I certainly like that better than the opposite. Um, some un, unsolicited negative uh, feedback. But I, so I, yes, I do. I think that's, that's great. I appreciate it. So here's an interesting thing. Do you find that the, uh, let's say, the, the total messaging that comes your way post-COVID has changed? Meaning that a lot of folks have, there was a statistically significant percentage of Catholics whose sense of bond of connection to the practice of their Catholic faith diminished after COVID. They, they never came back, right? Uh-huh. They were going because of a, a duty, and now they're no longer there. Those that remain, do you find that they are more positive in their messaging to you or more critical, or really you can't tell a difference? I, I haven't thought of it before, but I do notice a difference, and it's more positive. I think uh, for those who came back, um, they've made it the choice in the act of the will, if they hadn't already, that my faith is important to me. And when I was deprived of the practice of my faith in the Mass, in my church, um, that was really painful for so many folks. And so maybe, uh, therefore, the invitation to kind of just take a restock of our of our lives and what's really important, and 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 from that, um, a heightened sense of gratitude, and um, and then also realizing, I thank thanks be to God, I have my faith helped me get through things like COVID or whatever, and so an awareness that others, for whatever reason, don't think that faith is important, and. And I perceive a, a heightened sense of sorrow for others. So I, I just, at least among my parishioners, it, it does seem gratitude is up and, um, and compassion for others is up. And I, and I hear that in words shared with me. Mm-hmm. In any event, I'm receiving fewer of the negative, <laughs> but, you know, kind of biting comments. Not that I really had too many of those, I suppose, anyway, not directly to me, but that's gone on the decrease. I think people have seen the bigger picture and, and are more just grateful. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, immediately post-COVID, I think that was true for me. I, people were just grateful to be back. If they were coming back, they were they were grateful for that. Uh, I'm just trying to think. I had not really thought about this either before. I I, I think now, I you know, if you if you'd asked me, I guess I couldn't quantify it certainly, but maybe a few you know less negative feedback. Um, but in terms of positive. Um, I guess maybe, but I haven't seen something as substantial, I don't think. Okay. So um, I want to talk today, it is Christmas, I want to talk about the gift of Christmas in people's lives and talk about the life of a priest on Christmas Day and just around Christmas itself, right? Especially this year, it's a little bit different with, (laughs) um, you know, I'm betting that no Catholic has asked you the question that each of my kids have asked me about mass attendance on <laughs> Sunday and Monday. Yeah. And what is the what is the golden ticket question that they're looking to have answered about going to mass? A twofer. Yeah. Is there a twofer? <laughs> Can we go to mass on Sunday at four or later and have it cover our Sunday obligation and our Christmas obligation? Now, those are purely theoretical. Yeah. Purely. <laughs> I'm sure not, not one of your family would ever ask and that question. In my family, that has never been asked. So, uh, so let's just answer the question. Is there a twofer available for folks? Well, by the time people are hearing this, it's, uh, it's too late one way or another. Well, but still have to go to confession. <laughs> no, it's, it's only Christmas morning at That's 8 true. in the morning. So you, have good. A, you have a chance. Um, no, well, I don't even know if it's up to bishops individually for their diocese, but I asked Bishop Daly, because I anticipate people asking me this question, he said, no, we got to make the Sunday obligation for Sunday in Advent, and the Christmas obligation. 
Um, so no, you don't get a twofer. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't even ask my bishop. That's just a, that's a clear no. Yeah. <laughs> it's a hard no. It's a hard, hard no. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you can go um, on Sunday morning mm-hmm. and then go on Sunday evening. Yes. And yeah. for the two different feasts, yes. right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay, great. So folks, you can... So that's passed as a as an opportunity for them, but at least that that does count. You yeah. can go twice. I actually had a daughter ask me, "Can you receive communion twice on the same day?" Yes. Yeah, you can. So they're, they're two separate celebrations. You know, it's uh, so yeah. People have asked me that even for like you know, they've gone to a a vigil mass for a holy day, but then it's also like. Oh, they've. Had, I, I say if it's two. Well, different you go to celebrations. mass first Saturday morning mass, or yeah. even just Saturday morning mass for the day, right. and, then and then you can go Sunday. Saturday yeah. evening. Yeah. yeah, so you can go twice. Okay, yes. good. So um, I, again, I want to really focus in, in in on the gift of Jesus at Christmas, uh, but I, I want to ask, what's it like for a priest who grew up having a certain experience of Christmas, which? I don't know how different it is from most of us, right? There's the anticipation of the gifts, and you're waking up, and you're doing something on Christmas Eve that's sort of like, oh, maybe there's a gift exchange with the family, and then the next morning, you're you know, having all the gifts open and all that, and that's not your life now. <laughs> Before we started, you know, the questions you were asking each other, because this is, we're recording this on Thursday before Christmas— Hey, how many masses do you have this Christmas? <laughs> so it's a different thing celebrating these big feasts and holy days in the lives of Catholics. Um, what's that like for a priest? I'm gonna start with you, Father Nagel. There we go. Um, Christmas in the life of a priest. I and and let's face it, today this this week is the worst of the cycle. I think, at least for me, where you have Christmas on Monday. Um, in some ways. You know, when you have Christmas on Sunday, it's easy. Um, it's just like another. Well, it's, a, it's more, but but more than a typical weekend. But still, it's all just one day. Um, but I I think that for me, uh, are you talking about exactly how many masses I do have, or just the whole general sense? Just of, that whole general sense okay. that you're like spiritually and and personally, existentially, kind of getting yourself yeah. ready for the day. Um, I think that that's a different thing that you're experiencing sure. now compared to you when know when you were a, just growing up. When I was growing up, I have to have a confession here. I my I got upset with my mother because early on in our childhood, we would go and open our presents when we first got up, and then we would get to go to go to mass. But it was always difficult to tear us away from our presents to go to mass, and we complained and whined, believe it or not. And so then she had some neighbor who told her about a devious and very horrible plan where first before you could do anything and open any presents you had to go to mass first and so that became our norm and that was a dark day when we had to go do uh, celebrate mass and then come back we had to wait till like 10 before we touched a present so so i was not a typically holy child i didn't really like it but you know as a priest i do think one of the gifts and I, can, I have sometimes thought of it in this, this way. I think one of the gifts I can give people is that I realize, yeah, this is a big, heavy, quote-unquote, work day. Um, this is not gonna, I'm not going to be going off to my family until the evening. I'm not going to have what people think. I might have a mass in the evening, you know, Christmas Eve night and get up fairly early for Christmas Eve morning. It's... It's just kind of, I, you go through it, and it's not like it's horrible, but it's, it's also, 
you know, when you do Christmas Eve masses, then right away Christmas morning masses, it's it's just a lot of go go. And so I don't I don't find it usually a typically. I don't, I don't have psychological consolations or spiritual consolations in that felt sense, usually. It's not one of the great days of consolation for me. I said before, that's why I think that Advent, for instance, for me is, is, more, is more spiritually uh, fruitful in the sense of you know, felt consolations. Um, and, but I do think that there's a joy there. I, everybody's in good mood. You know, it's, it, and so it's, I look forward to it in the sense of I, I like Christmas, but it's not something that is it's not contemplative it's not something that i just kind of savor it's something that i just it's go go i guess that's my experience well we're up against a break when we come back father lewis i want your experience as a priest about uh the walking through the the reality of christmas uh in your priesthood and we're going to continue to explore that uh today on christmas so again we're wishing you a very merry christmas here on sound insight on sacred heart radio this is dr tom Carn. we're about uh we're up against a break we'll be back more sound insight Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to the program and Merry Christmas, Father Lewis. Again, I'm going to say that only seven more times during the (laughs) the course of the program. Uh, Asking, I just asked Father Nagel and he just shared about his experience of being a priest on Christmas. What about you? Uh, I would like to, you know, begin also like Father Nagel juxtaposition with childhood my uh, Christmases growing up were not fraught with such darkness and horror <laughs> um, we always made it a thing that um, mass was the first thing Christmas Eve and um, and then we'd go to my dad's side of the family it was very convenient because dad's side of the family always celebrated Christmas on Christmas Eve then we'd go home we'd have our own Christmas morning then mom's side Christmas night so uh, some families they got to choose any given year which way they go and and that was always strange to me. We never had to, had to worry about that. But it always began with Mass. And I don't know if my, it was my parents thinking, oh, good, we got that over with. But I think it was more like the reality of this is our family life. And so uh, this is when Mass will just fit in uh, handedly. Then when I entered seminary, now I'm serving at different parishes or playing trumpet uh, in di- different parish choirs. I remember my first experience um, in seminary, or you know, it was seminary slash priest when Christmas fell on a Monday. I think I was at 13 different masses in three days. Wow. It, it was insane because of the various commitments that I had already piled upon myself and being like a known trumpet player, I'm playing four different masses. Well, one of those 13 masses was uh, the only midnight mass I could find in the city at true midnight, and I went to that just for me so I could have like receive mass. And I haven't had a Christmas since then as a priest, thanks be to God. But uh, my Christmas this year, with Christmas on a Monday, is five Christmas Masses um, and four Sunday Masses. But fortunately, I have a retired priest in residence, so we're splitting duties, and um, and we'll preach our own Masses. And we have a deacon, so he's actually preaching the four Sunday Masses, and then I'll be um, be preaching my own Christmas Masses. So the workload is pretty diffused, and that's pretty helpful. 
Um, but like Father Dago was saying, it, it, <clears throat> Advent has become more of an important season for me post-ordination for precisely as Father Nagel was saying, that's when I can like receive myself and, and be more contemplative. And I recognize its purpose for me and my ministry is I, I need that to be able to then give um, in that superabundance, particularly in that quick burst of Christmas, um, because I'm not going to be able to receive myself at that time. It's constantly on the go. And um, um, so anyway, but uh, I don't, I don't let it, um, uh, it doesn't bother me. I'm, I'm happy to do it. Like Father Nagel was saying, you know, we'll have, Gosh, I would guess we'll have five thousand people come through our doors and in a in a weekend. And um, if they remember to keep their Sunday obligation and their Christmas obligation, we'll have five thousand people. <laughs> um, so it'll be to be able to see all those folks and engage with them as I'm able. And and yeah, they're in a joyful spirit and and um, and that that uh, that uh, is ref- very reflective and and easy to join in because uh, it's just so it's just such a joyful time. So. Yeah, it's it's busy with Christmas on a Monday, but it uh, it doesn't wear me out. It uh, it energizes me. Then I get time with my family after all that. So this this brings me to uh, uh, the next natural question connecting Jesus to Christmas celebration at masses with all of these folks, family members who have come home for Christmas, and guess what? They're going to mass with the family to make mm-hmm. mom happy, grandma happy, or just it's the custom. So now you have all these folks showing up at the kids' masses or midnight mass and or Christmas Day masses. And you're like, oh, look at all these faces of people that I don't know. Or maybe I remember them from Easter or last Christmas. What do you do, let's call it spiritually or reflectively, to prepare a homily or prepare how it is you're going to preside at Mass in the light of the fact that you're going to have so many folks who are just coming back to, like, let's say, come into contact with their Catholic reality, the Catholic roots or Catholic connection they have um, at, at Mass on Sunday. So what do you do, or do you do something specific in the light of that fact that they're going to be there? And again, I'll start with Father Nagel this time. You know, I don't really. I don't. I, I welcome everybody. I might. I might mention welcome to all the um, those who are visiting for Christmas break, or, or, or probably wouldn't say Christmas break, just for Christmas, uh, because families always are moving for Christmas. But I don't make any jokes about Christmas and Easter Catholics or anything. I, I kind of ignore that. But I, I do. The homily usually is basic charisma um, of the incarnation. I, I, you know, I, I try to put it, you know, in some sort of context where people can understand it. But I do think that I, I keep it basic. I, I, and I try to keep it, um, again, something that's going to connect with people who may not um, have a lot of theology or anything. But you know, again, what's the the spiritual reality of Christmas and, and incarnation mean? Why, why does why did God become one of us? That kind of thing. I, so it's, it's just basic. Uh, charisma for me, and I guess that's the way I treat it because I I do know that that's pretty much the congregation's, you know, that's where they're at, and so so you're using a um, using a big theological Greek word there, charisma. So just the basic for the folks that are listening, what are they? What what are you talking? Like, give me preach preach at me here. 
Well, for instance, I, I would do something about the whole idea of our need for salvation, that we're in a, we're in a bad situation. Uh, we can't uh, get out of it ourselves. We need someone to save us. And so he comes in, among us. And usually, again, we're talking about he, he becomes one of us, and he comes as a poor and weak person and like us. And eventually, you know, the idea that he'll die for us as well, you can come in there. But when we, that, that basic idea of Christ is our Savior, and so Christmas is joyful because of that, that uh, it's not just because we're getting around with friends and it's joyful because God's here, um, but that he loves, us in, he loves us in our sins so much that he became one of us to die for us. And he, became, he took on all our weaknesses in the child of, uh, of Christ, etc. So it, again, it's, that, it's the whole idea of becoming one of us in order that he might die for us and rise from the dead and bring us with him. So that's just sort of the basics of the outline of the faith that I weave in there somehow in terms of some kind of um, story analogy uh, points that might make it not just abstract, but... Um, Something they can say, oh, yeah, okay, okay, that's kind of interesting. Hmm. And then uh, I want Father Lewis, you to talk, but then I want to ask you guys, do you, fathers, do you have a sense of invitation? Like, I'm inviting you, if you haven't considered the part Christ has in your life, welcome him. Let him be born in your life. Something like that. Do you have that idea of, let me make an invitation here. So, but I'll let you talk first, Father Lewis. One thing I, I did early in my uh, priesthood, particularly for like the quote-unquote children's mass for Christmas, was to, I've seen this done with other priests where they just kind of gather the kids and, and kind of talk at them in a, in a playful way. And uh, that's fun and all, um, but I never really, I, I'd hope that something like that would, would be attractive for maybe some of these, you know, C&E Catholics to, to be more frequent with the church. And then that wasn't happening. So I thought, well, I'm not going to keep doing that. So I shifted to um, probably four years ago what Father Nagel is describing, just the, the the bold and joyful proclamation of the good news, the charisma, um, in a in a way that hopefully is easily engaged with and memor uh, you know memorable. I really like how Father John Ricardo presents it. He just gives it four words: created, captured, rescued, and response. And so um, that last one there, uh, Tom, that you asked us just now, um, is there an invitation that we present? When I get to response, because the proclamation isn't complete, Pope Benedict says this, you know, like when we're engaging in prayer with uh, sacred scripture, um, no no prayer is complete unless it leads to fruitfulness and action. And so no proclamation of the gospel is complete without, without our response. And if, whether we choose to respond or not, we're responding. If we choose not to respond then we've not responded, and that's a response. And so um, to try to encourage people that this is the good news. How are you going to respond? You know, the, the Lord Jesus Christ is, is knocking at your door. Will you or will you not open the door? Um, so, yeah, that's where the invitation comes in in my, in my proclamation of the gospel, uh, the kerygma, yeah. So, Fathers, I, uh, uh, when we recorded this program again on last Thursday— it was just a, a day or two after a document that came out from the dicastery uh, for the doctrine of the faith. Are you thinking that you might get asked questions about that on uh, Sunday or Monday, like on Christmas Day, for folks that are just coming back? Like, hey, has the church changed its teaching on the blessing of um, uh, gay couples who come forward for a blessing? Um, is that is there any sort of conversation around that among among you priests or What's the approach you're taking around that? Um, 
there was when it first came out some conversations between us priests as we're trying to sort out i hadn't had a chance to read the document myself until yesterday so a couple of days had gone by and um but i mean i've had a couple of parishioners kind of ask about it um i don't i actually don't anticipate i'll get many questions on christmas itself because uh i think just the fullness of the day and people being together will kind of drown that out I, that's my suspicion i might get a couple but i don't i don't think i'm gonna have a flood of humanity you know knocking at the doors asking for answers um as far as like you know i just this morning i i read a, a piece on national catholic register by a priest and named father jeffrey kirby and i've he's written books and other things before and he had kind of like a pastor's a pastor's take on this document and a point he was making is that it's it seems like another one of those documents that that is the discussion of highfalutin theology in the corridors of the vatican that just has no bearing in the trenches of parish life the boots on the ground, you know, and he, he sends, this is another instance of the, the powers that be just really don't have a pastoral sense of what's really going on in the hearts and souls of the people in the pews. Um, this isn't, it may be a concern of the power power barons of, of the world. How do we handle uh, same-sex attracted people or whatever? But the people in the pews, there's deeper wounds that they come to the Lord for healing for. And, and 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 so it just feels like another disconnect. And as I was reading that piece, I said, "That's he's saying it how how I've been feeling." It just who who's asking this question? This isn't where the people are suffering. And um, so anyway, that's just kind of my personal take and some of the priests I've been talking to. And and um, and what, as I'm hearing people from this too, the few who have asked me about it already, that's what I'm kind of getting from them. It's like, does Pope Francis even like know who we are, what we're about? <laughs> you know. it's so there's kind of a little bit of sorrow there, I suppose, but um, not outright outraged yet <laughs> or mm-hmm. anything like that. You know, I, I I think in terms of what Father Lewis said, I, in terms of Christmas, I think he's probably right. I, I don't know about Fourth Sunday of Advent. Um, there might be some questions there. Um, I have had some kind of strong conversations with some staff um, around this. And, and I guess I, I would take it to the point, I, I would agree with Father Lewis's, I read the, the article by uh, Father Kirby as well. And I have, I've read the document twice, trying to grasp it. And I, I do think that there are, are, are a few people who are, really, who are really concerned about this whole idea of, of um, again, gay couples being allowed to receive something or other. But I don't, I don't think that that's a huge issue for most people. And I do think that those who up to, to now, they have been feeling perhaps left out or um, judged or something like this uh, by the church's you know, unchangeable teaching. But I, and so there's been emotion behind that. But I have noticed that since this document came out, it's kind of the other side that's now starting to get angry uh, and saying, again, what, why, why are you doing this? The, you know, again, it's, I, it's, there's inevitable scandal and confusion caused worldwide. And so is the bang worth the buck, so to speak, and just the confusion it causes. And um, so I, I think that it's going to be an ongoing thing that that um, I think is not going to be helpful at all. So uh, great answers. Thank you, fathers, for that. Uh, I want to circle back around to the, the reality of Christmas and the Christmas story. And uh, I want you to make a case. Now you're going you're gonna to become like an advocate here. The innkeeper, good guy or bad guy? Okay, so the innkeeper, 
uh, in the Christmas story, good guy or bad guy. So, uh, Father Father Lewis, you can pick. Do you do you want to do you want to defend that he's a good guy, or do you want to say that he's a bad guy? <laughs> well, uh, gosh. Both, I guess. I oh, mean, <laughs> I, know. Well, I, mean, I didn't say you were a politician. I, I said you were a lawyer. So <laughs> yeah. you, make, you can make a spiritual case on either side, but let's make the case. Because yeah. I think they're both relevant for mm. our spiritual lives. Mm-hmm. The, the, the element that we could say is good and the element that we could say is, oh, troubling, that we have to pay attention to. Yeah. I, 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 would, I would give him the benefit of the doubt. I think he's a good guy. I mean, the scriptures are pretty clear. There was no room for them in the inn. Now, if I were him, I'd be like, well... I can sleep in the manger, I suppose. So a pregnant woman can sleep inside here. Um, but who knows what else was going on inside that inn. Maybe the whole place was filled with other pregnant women and he's had enough. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't put any nefarious purposes on him. I think, uh, how, you know, how much of that, it, you know, his role was a small role to play to, that the fulfillment of prophecies would come about, you know, including, you know, we, we speak about this. You know, he's born in a manger where, where animals feed, in the town of Bethlehem, the house of bread, and, and how much we can learn from that. And that's where he's laid, and, and we receive uh, that, that same spiritual nourishment. I mean, so if it weren't for the innkeeper doing that, we wouldn't have that kind of great theological insight into what Jesus is about and, and the gift that he brings. Yeah, so it, to summarize your point, you're saying... He's a good guy. He's a good guy because he at least said, I, I don't have space here, practically speaking, but I will make space for you over there. Yeah. I'll give you room to be born in the stable. Yeah. So, good. So he's a good guy from that standpoint. All right, Father Nagel, you, you've got to take the alternative. And I, I do remember, I wasn't just last year or two before that you had a great insight in this, Tom. In, in, I think I used it, in fact, how he is a good guy. Um, but anyway, that being said, the, I guess the, the, the negative side would be to not make room, um, right? Um, that, that, that Christ does knock at our doors and we think we are too busy, our life is too full, um, go someplace else some other time. Um, so again, you know, you might say, oh, why don't you go over there? I don't want to dis- discomfort myself, but go ahead for yourself. Uh, I, you, you might be able to find something over there, but I'm not going to go with you. So I, I do think there's a fairly obvious way in which you could say, okay, I can see myself in that not very productive or helpful, uh, stance vis-a-vis Christ knocking on my door. That would probably for me be like the negative side. Yeah. I think, of. So St. Uh, Teresa of Calcutta, St. Mother Teresa, and her idea that in the poorest of the poor, she's serving Jesus in his distressing disguise. And I think that uh, it, it feels like we're moving into a time where acts of generosity that are not typical are going to be asked of us to extend ourselves. We had a, a bit of a room at the inn question coming to us uh, as our family um, about, a, about a month ago, uh, Carrie had reached out to the, the headmaster at the Chesterton Academy and said, look, I know sometimes you've got families who would want to have their kids come here, but they're not able to move here. They might need a place to stay. If you ever bump into that, let us know. We've got room at the inn, right? We got kids off at, at school. So during the school year, we could put kids here and they could go to Chesterton. And just trying to support families. Well, we got a call from a teacher. The teacher said, my fiancé has no room at the inn. She, she wants to come out to be here, and 
Um, and we're wondering, gosh, you were going to open it up to a student. Could you open it up to uh, uh, you know, a young adult, someone who graduated from college and wants to be out here and be closer to a fiancé, being prepared for marriage? So it was like, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, it's easy to talk the talk, <laughs> but are you going to walk the walk? And, and so we talked about it. You know, we, I, I don't want to say we prayed about it, but we, we talked about it, and it was just like, well, why not? And so we did and just opened the house, and, and so she came and stayed with us. And after a few weeks, she found another spot and moved on. But it was just that idea of making room. It's, it's not painless. Right. It's not without complication. Because now, like Carrie and I couldn't yell at each other, right? So, oh, we couldn't yell at our kids, right? Because we get this young adult, I'm just teasing. But all of a sudden, there's this awareness that, oh, wait a minute. We've allowed essentially a stranger right. to come and be in our home and be kind of part and parcel of our lives uh, because we said we were willing to make room. And it's, uh, it, was, it was even just those few weeks, and she, you know, she came to us and said, thank you so much. It was a great gift, and, and I'm moving on now. It was like, wow, thank you. Thank you for moving on. But it was like, wow, that's not as easy as I thought it would be. Yeah. Right, so that's just a really interesting thing to to stop and say. Um, when you choose to make some space to let the Lord, in maybe a distressing disguise, come closer to your life, it's going to ask something of you that maybe you didn't expect. So there you go. There's my little innkeeper story yeah. for the day. <laughs> well, and you were the good guy, Tom. See, yes. you ended up being good guy. Yes, the good thank innkeeper. you. Yeah. Well, that's why I told the story. I wanted to be a good guy in people's minds. Actually, we're up against a break. When we come back, more sound insight. Welcome back to the program. This is Dr. Tom Kern. I'm with Father Jeff Lewis and Father Kurt Nagel on Christmas Day. And it's not just Christmas Day because, well, Christmas only lasts for a day. Is that right? No. Yes, and then we box everything up on the next day and move on with our lives. No, that, no. No, that is not. It's actually a season. So we're entering into the Christmas season. Father Nagel, he was like all over that one. He was like, well, you know, go ahead, Father Well, the reason I said that is I do think, for me, I really do try to keep the octave pretty clear. Um, and that's the upside of having Christmas on a Monday is that you have really have four-plus days where if you're if you can, uh, you could have pretty quiet days as a priest. I think most people understand when you say, you know, I'm trying to block those days off. And they don't, it's sort of unnecessary or non-essential, urgent um, appointments can hold off. And so I do think that there's something to me that I, I do celebrate Christmas a little bit more. I like the octave um, in terms of uh, it, it being Christmas and now I can just sort of savor a little bit more. So I do think. Okay, there's Father, something real. You, you, again, you're using a big word. Now you've gone to Latin. You went from Greek kerygma to octave with a Latin root. What uh, is an octave? What does it mean theologically, a, liturgically? The, the eight, the eight days. Uh, the, uh, the th- you celebrate till the eighth day. Uh, uh, it's Easter. Well, it's Christmas and Easter. It used to be Pentecost. I'd love to have Pentecost octave come back. Um, and so that, it, and it's all one day. In terms of the liturgy and things, it's, it counts as one day. And so it's just this wonderful, long, uh, joyous celebration that, again, you should not put your stuff away on the 26th. That's, that's let's keep on celebrating Christmas. Yeah, it, I love the, the theology behind it, that it's uncontainable mm-hmm. in one day. 
the the reality that is celebrated here is so big it overflows and so it overflows all the way till eight days now why is eight father lewis a, a big deal number in the life of the church that in octave rather than a septave or right. a no, novena no, novave novave <laughs> yeah on well, octave uh, because uh you know the first day of creation in our Judeo-Christian uh, tradition is is uh, is Sunday, and so the seventh day is Saturday, and the day of rest. So that's the that's the day of rest for uh, like the Jews, the Jewish tradition. Uh, but Jesus rose on Sunday, and so we Christians, you know, the the first day of the new creation is the eighth day, following you know the first day. So the eighth day and the first day of the new creation overlap, and so it's like uh, this. Uh, infinity loop and an upward spiral toward greater glory but uh, i think wow that that was very poetic what you just said an infinity loop of an upward spiral to To greater glory greater glory did you just make that up (laughs) i did yeah it's really inspiration like on a poster somewhere that on the holy card (laughs) that is really good even father nagel is stunned i'm stunned i i i I am i'm in awe And uh, anyway, so that's the beginning of the octave. And, and for the same, you know, very, as you described, Tom, it's it's a it's a it's a greatness too great to possibly contain in so in so small a thing. Um, and so it's expanded into into eight days. And for Christmas and Easter, you know, the eight days of heightened celebration of the day itself, but then whole season to keep renewing that theme. Uh, it's interesting that Christmas season. Uh, fluctuates uh, in length depending on the length of Advent, I suppose. But the, you know, of course, the Easter season, as we know, is fifty days from Easter to Pentecost, and uh, so you know, I mean, not just one day, not just an octave, even, but a whole season to celebrate these great moments in salvation history. I, I love that. I think that it's um, it's so powerful. Um, I think that like people get Lent, they don't really get Easter. Catholics, right? right they get Lent, they don't really get Easter. I think that we're getting uh, Advent better. But in the big jostling is against the idea of holidays, holidays versus a holy season. I think that Christmas is another example of it's hard for Catholics to get what should I be doing to really take in the the gift of this season? What what do I do differently? I think a lot of folks are like winter break. Let's go to the sun. Let's go to Disneyland or go someplace or go skiing. And it, it, it's kind of back to the inn again, getting crowded out. How do you, what would you recommend as some family practices or just activities to do to at least hold in reserve some of a, some of this octave, some of these days, and then even the whole Christmas season? to hold it in reserve to enter into the meaning of the season itself. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Father Lewis. Um, one thing I'd recommend is, you know, we might be masked out, as it were, especially this year with Fourth Sunday and Christmas happening on the same, basically the same day. But um, but try to get to Mass each day if Mass hopefully is available at your parish uh, and go to Mass during the octave. Um it, it's it, and you'll find out why I find it very interesting in Christmas because Christmas is followed by the first pro, the proto martyr followed by uh, I think John, John the, the Apostle and then the Holy Innocent so it's like this back and forth between glory and joy and and the sorrow of okay, martyrdom. You just anticipated where I was headed oh, here. Yeah. You just okay. This is great. Run with it. Yeah, 
but uh, but there's a reason for that. There's a reason why in 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 the liturgy in the prayers they they make these connections about why we have this jostling back and forth. But a lot of people will miss out on that if if they're not at least going to mass. So I'd rec- that'd be one recommendation, a strong one for families how to celebrate the uh, the Christmas season, the octave is to go to mass that day each day. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it depends on how how well the Advent is celebrated in part. Especially if if it is not seen as this a season of pre Christmas celebrations and snacking and you know feeding yourself, because I do I think even in terms of that sort of um, worldly celebration, if you've had a, a simple Advent, then it's not. And if you haven't been gorged on you know Christmas carols since Thanksgiving, the octave is it's. it's it has its whole different flavor the whole season that again it's it's a joyful season it's joy and it can't you know the 12 days of christmas the whole idea until epiphany that this is something that it, you don't you're not sick of it you you're just starting on christmas and so suddenly you you are not just allowed but encouraged to rejoice in it, whether liturgically or again it could be something as simple as the way you eat celebrate and what you do for fun during those days but i i do think that to we see it, I think, in the second world is well, you have Christmas and you have New Year's and it's a vacation in between, and then you go back to life, um, as opposed to um, no, this is something you know. There's a liturgical impact there that that others would miss. I love that. Uh, yeah, these are great answers, fathers. Thank you for those. Uh, we are up against a break. When we come back, we're going to um, take another lap around the liturgical calendar and connect it to living well the Christmas season and letting it be a gift. Let the Lord be a gift to you through the church's liturgical calendar. Back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. Uh, this is Tom Carn again. I'm with Father Lewis and Father Nagel, and it is great to be with you. And again, well, we're just wishing you just tremendous blessings. And fathers, we'll give you a chance at the end of the program to offer your Christmas blessings uh, to uh, to the wonderful folks that are listening uh, on uh, today on Sacred Heart Radio on this beautiful uh, holy day. So uh, I have a son born on the 28th, huh. John Luke, uh, and it's actually John Luke Thomas. Now I want you to think about that connected to the liturgical calendar. So he was born on the 28th, Feast of the Holy Innocents. What was the 27th? John, John the Evangelist. And what's the 29th? Thomas Beckett. Thomas Beckett. Beckett. So John Luke Thomas. And where did Luke come from? Well, the infancy narratives, even though the Holy Innocence isn't mentioned in the Gospel of Luke, it's mentioned in Matthew, I didn't feel it, didn't feel the John Matthew. So he doesn't realize how close he was to being John Matthew Thomas, (laughs) but instead he's John Luke Thomas. So that's actually how we came up with his name, was literally looking at the calendar of feasts and sensing all right, Lord, you, would, you chose to have him be born on the 28th. What's the meaning of that? And connected it to the church's feast. Wow. So A couple more days, he would have been Sylvester. Yeah. <laughs> he could have been Egwin Sylvester if he was born on the 30th and uh, the 31st. Yeah. Um, we, though we did ruin his life for soccer forever. Yeah. So he, he was ruined because oh. he's the youngest on his team because it's a calendar oh. year differentiation. If he was born on January 1st, he could have been, could have gone pro, <laughs> could have been somebody, right? That's that uh, outlier story, right? Yeah. NHL stars, you know this? Mm. So and it, uh, like the great majority of NHL players are born in January, February, or March. 
because the the cutoff for when you can start is the beginning of the calendar year. And their Canadians are pretty intense about starting their kids right away. And when you're younger, those months mean something. So kids are a little bit bigger. So they end up getting onto teams and they end up being a bit more physically better. So they end up getting uh, all-star, better training, better clubs, and the other kids can't catch up. And so there you go. There's a wound in my son's heart because he got to be born on the 28th. (laughs) Instead, he gets to be John Luke Thomas. So, All right, so there's there's one way that uh, we and my family associate the idea of a moment matters. A moment on a calendar matters. Now, I'm not saying you have to name your kid after the moment on the calendar. Though I think that's more and more common. Yeah. I, I love that. I love seeing that. Um, but let's take a look. What a mysterious thing that the church puts on her calendar. The day after Christmas, St. Stephen the Martyr. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, oh, what a pretty happy church we've got, <laughs> right? And then we go from there to St. John the Evangelist, the only one of the apostles who wasn't martyred. And then from there we go to the Holy Innocence, which is the slaughter of a whole bunch of little boys. Mm-hmm. So, all right, Father Nagel, you can pick first. Do you want St. Stephen, St. John the Evangelist, or the Holy Innocence? Where do you want to begin? Well, I think St. Stephen's is next. Um, I I do. It's not uncommon to be able to preach that you know again Christ came to die. That's you know Fulton Sheen in his book uh, Christ the Lord. Uh, he he talks about that, um, and so this idea that um, that there's going to be suffering and death involved with the, the little baby who gets the myrrh for from the uh, the wise men, I, I think that there's something valuable there to say. Okay, let's cut the sugar down content somewhat here. Uh, this is joyful and there is magnificence here, but this is serious business too. Um, the guy's got a job to do and it's going to be tough and he's going to end up in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and so I, I think there's something powerful there to um, keep us kind of grounded. Again, at the, the, old, the word I just used, the kerygma, that this is, um, we're, we're tying it in to his end. His beginning needs to get tied into his end. Nice. Yeah, and I just love that idea that we're called to be his followers. Mm-hmm. And so our witness Yep. Is is not going to be separated from his manner of witness, and get ready to give up your life. Mm-hmm. So, all right, Father Lewis, you get the you get the. I don't know if it's more fun or easier, <laughs> but John the Evangelist. Yeah, John the Evangelist. I don't know what the tradition is why his feast day is in the Christmas octave, but I find it fitting um, because so much of of what we'll hear about the Christmas message. I mean, we hear the stories themselves in Matthew and Luke. But one of the um, one of the uh, I think it's Christmas morning. The gospel is John one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so we we get a, a heavy dose of of Jesus being born, so the humanity of this little Christ child. But also, like Spalding was saying, why he came was so to, was so to die that we may have life. And and who he is, yes, is the little child. But let's not lose sight of who he always was. Before that, he was the Word, and the Word is infinite. The Word was with God and, and is God. So the humanity, you know, balanced with the divinity in our contemplation of, of both those aspects of, of, the, of, the, of the God-man, Jesus Christ. And so I find it fitting, therefore, that John is celebrating in the octave of Christmas, um, if only because of, of his particular insights into the, the whole gospel proclamation. 
with the emphasis on on the divinity of Christ. I never thought of that. That's really mm-hmm. yeah. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. I love that. Mm. Good, all right, Falus, you just kind of I'm just you're I'm this on. you're this fountain of insight. This is amazing. <laughs> he's, he's hot. He's, he's on fire. <laughs> he's on. He's on fire. As my kids would say, you're on fire, Father. That's yeah. great. Anything you want to add about that, Father uh, Nagel? And then There's we have nothing. to turn to blessings because we're running out of There's time. There's nothing so. I can add to that. That was impressive. <laughs> Stunned into contemplative oh. silence. I like that. Let all mortal flesh keep silence. Father <laughs> Lewis is dropping the mic. Yeah. This is great. All right, so we have a, uh, two and a half minutes left in the program. Uh, fathers, well, I'd just love for you to just give your, uh, your own blessing. You can actually do a blessing or just uh, pray a blessing for others that are, that are listening. Yeah. Shall I start? Yes, please. Um, before a, a, a formal, you know, like a formal blessing, just an encouragement for all of our listeners that as I talk with folks, it's increasingly uh, common and increasingly difficult, I think, to to put out the noisiness of the world, the, the bad news, the things that cause us anxiety and undue concern, and it can take our eyes off the prize. And what is the prize? Jesus Christ. Seek first the Lord and his kingdom, and all these other blessings will be given you besides. So as we continue our Christmas celebration through the octave and through the season, let us make that a special point to keep our eyes on the prize, Jesus Christ, and to balance all the other things of the world accordingly. When we are plagued with concern, anxieties, to bring it to the feet of the Lord, as it were, at the foot of the cross, uh, for him to do with as he will. And then let us go back to our engagement with the Lord and the people in our immediate orbit. And so may with all that in mind, the blessings of Almighty God, and, the, and particularly in the, in the graces of peace, love, joy, and all good things, may that blessing, may that grace descend upon all of our listeners and remain with them forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you, Father Lewis. And Father Nagel. I just think, want to make sure that everybody remembers that, again, when, when Christ comes uh, as one of us, he... He's come for each one of us, and he's he sees us as needing him, knows that we need him due to our sin and death that we face. And so, again, we can sometimes think of ourselves in those terms that we are, that we're bad, that we're lost, that uh, again our lives are messed. And yet, he comes to us because he knows he sees through it all, and he he knows that we are actually beautiful and we are beloved by him, his father. And so, that's something to take away. I think that's when the, the idea of the the great Christmas spirit is just the recognition that this Christmas is proof that that God loves me and that I finds me beautiful despite what I may or have done or who I again see myself as. And so I just ask, maybe Almighty God bless you all with the great grace of this season that you might truly know that Christ came for you personally and you return to that love that He wants to welcome you and He wants to bless you as I bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Father Nagel. Thank you both, fathers, for being with me today. We are against the end of our program. Please join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.